When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Robson Civil, with over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience. Visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au. BJ Howes Metal Land, the coast's tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. Welcome to Saturdays on the Coast. Yeah, good morning. We're live from Shelley Beach Golf Course, and can you believe it's underwater overlooking the 18th? And by the way, we had a late change. We were meant to be at the surfing at Avoca. Mm. The Central Coast Pro has been absolutely amazing this week with a win to Macy Callahan over Molly Picklam in yesterday's women's final. Before we go any further, Michael, I think our technician, Lachlan, he just deserves a standing yeah, up. certainly does. What an effort. And Outstanding. His, and his trusty assistant, Roxanne, uh, wow, we're on the air. So he's made a mad dash from, from, Avoca. from Avoca Beach. Well done, Lachlan. Uh, cool as... Uh, he's the Iceman. That's his new nickname. Yeah, yeah, he certainly is. Certainly is. He's the new uh, Top Gun. Yeah. Maverick, Iceman, you name it. He is the man. Michael, how's the week been? It's been a big week, Steve. And uh, you know what? It's funny how, you know, looking around this golf course, how wet it is. Like, obviously, we've had a downpour recently, uh, probably about... I don't know, half an hour, 45, 45 minutes of rain. And uh, it certainly had an impact on the golf course. 18th hole is absolutely, well, the, yeah, the green itself is flooded. And you can look around the uh, the fairways. There's little patches of water here, there, and everywhere. And uh, there's another green over there that seems to be a little bit damp. So I'm not sure whether the boys are going to get much uh, action today on the golf course. Yeah, that one would be the uh, ninth. That's the, the ninth? The, the short par three. There you go. Uh, you painted a beautiful picture, Michael. Uh, I've got to say... I. I can't say I've enjoyed the return of the footy more than ever in 2022 after everything that we've been through. So the AFL came back with a grand final replay and Melbourne got the job done again uh, over the Western Bulldogs. Uh, You were just saying to me off the air about the coach, Beveridge, Mm. uh, who's just blowing up. And there's more to that, that he's blowing up in the press conference. And then the NRL, what a fantastic game the other night. We think the Storm are cruising to victory. They get home. In Golden Point extra time, we see a two-point field goal from Latrell, but the Storm get it done for Craig Bellamy's 500. Mate, I've gone to bed at the <laughs> 65th minute mark. It's 14-0. Yeah. The Storm are dominating. And I will say this, though. The Rabbitohs created three or four good opportunities in that second half. And what it showed to me was that it just seems they they're not quite where they need to be in terms of their combinations yet. But they were creating chances. The passes just weren't sticking and what have you. And Alex Johnson probably could have crossed for a couple uh, in that second half. But unfortunately, it didn't work out for them. Um, but what a finish it was. Like I, I only saw the highlights because I, I was off the bed, mate. Is the young halfback, is it Ilias? Ilias. Yeah, yeah. Look, I think a couple of things. I think they realised the magnitude of the loss of Adam Reynolds over the last two weeks. And then I also think that this kid needs time, but I think he's got the game that they're after to ensure that they can be a force in 2022. Hey, we're about to go to Nick Montgomery. Mm. Uh, Your thoughts on the comeback of Luttrell? Oh, look, you know what? It was funny. He's a great player. There's no doubt about that. And his impact is phenomenal. 
My concern, there was a try there scored by Cameron Munster. All right, Harry Grant makes a break from the 20-metre line, yeah. doesn't get to Latrell Mitchell until he's on the 20-metre line of the, um, the Rabbitohs. I'm wondering what is happening between that 60-meter period. Where yeah. is Latrell Mitchell there? If he gets it, if he stops him or is present on the 50-meter line, that try is not scored. Yeah, right. Because Ilias is guiding. I just don't know where he was positionally and why he was 60 meters back. So you're saying there's a, a chasm, but uh, <laughs> between. Uh, Harry Grant and Latrell Mitchell. What about his two-point field goal, though? And what about the winner from Papenhausen? I mean, that was a high degree of difficulty, and he seals the deal 15-14. Yeah, look, cream rises to the top, and Latrell, you know, obviously missed goals. And I think, you know, what's interesting. You know, Latrell's a very good kicker. I think what we saw with the Storm is that could be their Achilles heel. You know, they've lost Cameron Smith. Uh, they've lost Nico Hines, who was their goal kicker last year. It could be their Achilles heel this year, and it could cost them games at various stages. You know, they they should have been up 18-0. Yeah, look, later in the show, uh, I want to talk to you about Craig Bellamy, yep. 500. You know, that's absolutely amazing, and what a phenomenal success rate. Uh, also want to talk to you about the Dragons against Penrith. Mm. Great game of footy. and certainly uh, was. St. George Illawarra, I feel like their forward pack last night, just so powerful, and... They had a chance late through, I think it was Michaeli Ravalawa. Yep. Uh, maybe down a short side and gave the gave the reigning premiers a real scare. Talk, I also, hey, mate, what about talking about 500 games? We've got Monty on the on the line from the Mariners, who I'm, I have no doubt would love to be able to coach 500 games. Uh, and hopefully he does it all with the Mariners. Well, well, I tell you, he played more than 500 games. Yes, he did. And all over the world, yep. absolute rock star. I, I think it's standing ovation time. Of course it is. Head coach of the Central Coast Mariners, Nick Montgomery. Good morning, mate. How is Mudgy? Yeah, hey, guys. Nice to hear you. Uh, Mudgy's good. We, we arrived yesterday. It's obviously a long bus journey, but look, the boys are settled in. And, and yeah, we're looking forward to the game today. And hopefully the weather stays nice here. I know you've had a bit of rain on the Central Coast. So, yeah, looking for, forward to a good atmosphere today. Monty, what's the idea with the club taking the game out to Mudgy? Just spreading the word? Yeah, look, we came here pre uh, sort of start of the season for the first FFA Cup game, and you know, we know where, where that ended up, and that was in the final. Um, so, look, we're hoping that this can be the start of us having a run towards the, the, the A-League finals as well. So, look, we got 11 games to go. It's obviously been a tough schedule for everybody. Uh, we arrived back from Perth. But, yeah, look, to bring the game here, we've got a really good support base here. Um, you know, I've been uh, numerous times while I was playing. Obviously, I'm I'm now coaching. So, yeah, look, hopefully, it's it's an opportunity to uh, you know to, to to bring an early game out to a regional town and, and and put on a good show today for the locals. I know you were bitterly disappointed with the first 45 in Perth. There was a a world class penalty stop by Mark Birigidi in front of his home fans in Perth, but you must have been glad to come away with a point. Yeah, look, you know what? After the game, you know, when you when you're coaching or playing, whatever, you know, you, sometimes you get caught up in the moment. Yeah, I was disappointed with the first half. I thought, you know, um, we didn't play as well as we we, we can and, and have done as a team. I thought we were a little bit disjointed. We gave them a little bit too much joy in wide areas, and from that, you know, they got quite a few corners and momentum built. Um, but look, second half we fixed it and, and made a few changes. And, and I thought second half we were, you know, probably the better team. So look, looking back on the game, um, obviously we, uh, we were lucky to go in nil nil at half time. We're going to give a, a team. I think we gave them eight corners in the space of ten minutes. So fortunately, we defended them really well. So that was a real positive, you know. But you know, we have a lot of young players. A lot of them have never even flown out of New South Wales, let alone flying to Perth. You know, the three-hour time difference. So when you factor all that in, 
no, at the end of the end of the game, I was you know I was I was proud of the boys for hanging in there and and being resilient and defending well and and yeah to get a point was is a good result always away from home. Yeah, mate, your last game against the uh, Macarthur was a three-all draw. Um, obviously, looking to score those goals again, but uh, trying to reduce uh, the number of goals conceded. Yeah, obviously, uh, you know, if anyone watched that game, it was two two probably goal of the season efforts from from mm. Tommy Orr and Craig Noon. So look, normally. Normally that doesn't happen, you know, in one game, especially. But sometimes, you know, Butch, you can't, you can't, uh, you can't help but just applaud a strike like that, and then for yeah. them to get the equaliser in the last minute with a strike like that, you know, if that was me as a coach, I'd be absolutely delighted. So, um, you know, at the end of the day, it's, uh, you know, it was two points dropped in that game, and, and today we've got to try and uh, we've got to try and get three points. Yeah, and their form's been a little mixed, Michael. They had a win against the Wanderers, but they've lost against both both Melbourne teams, City and also Victory. Monty, one of the best stories of the week is uh, the defender out of Palm Beach Soccer Club on the Gold Coast, Kai Rolls, called into the Socceroos squad. Uh, The good news is, though, he'll be able to play in Mudgee and then goes into camp with the Socceroos ahead of that massive, absolutely huge Mm. clash against Japan Japan next week. Yeah, look, Kai, Kai's been fantastic. He's, a, he, you know, I've said it since the start of the year. For me, he's one of the best defenders in the A League. You know, he's a young lad. He, he's he's had to do a big job for me this year, and he's had to lead a really young backline. You know, we've 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 virtually boys from our MPL, and he's done that really well. Um, I think consistency is the key. I think he's a he's a he's a shining light for any young player to just show that if you get your head down and, and you play consistently well, then you've got every opportunity to to get in a national team. So, you know. Kai knows that it's not for you know it's not without the the support of all his teammates that he gets there. So he's a very humble kid, and, and look, we're delighted for him. And obviously, we'll miss him after today. We'll miss him for one to two games, but you know, for him, it's a it's fantastic achievement, and everybody's really really stoked for him. Mate, I saw more. Well, my son showed me on social media yesterday the uh, the boys supporting the, the world's greatest shave. Yeah. Um, you, yourself, uh, Dan Hall, and I think. Those flowing locks of young Jacob Farrell got shaved <laughs> off, mate. My goodness, they could have yeah, made a bloody good uh, wig out of those, I think. There's quite a funny story about that. So, look, obviously, Jacob went to the school. It's a fantastic cause. You know, most people have been affected by cancer at some point throughout their lives and, and, and their families and friends. So, but they asked us if we'd go up, and I sort of uh, I went straight in and I said, Farrell, are you going to get your haircut for charity at your school? And he went, yeah. And I said the same to Dan Hall, and he went, yeah. And I don't think they actually thought I was serious. <laughs> I've got you Dan Hall, um, Jacob Farrell, and I think I said Lewis Miller at the time. He didn't have any hair. Um, yep. Anyway, um, as, as it rolled on, obviously there uh, Farrell was a bit nervous, but I said to him straight after, "You actually look like a proper footballer now." So, um, no, nah, it was good luck, a great cause. It was, uh, I think, they raised over over ten thousand dollars, um, and that was good for us to go up to the school, which is a partner of ours, and, and, and obviously Jacob Farrell came from that school as well. So, look, fair play to the boys. I'm not proud of them mm. for for doing it and, and getting out in the community and helping raise some money for a great cause. Yeah, look, uh, Steve Cleaver filmed that from NBN TV and reporter was Sophie Scanlon. And I saw the pictures. Jacob Farrell, he didn't look too happy about the whole process. I, I, I've been told it's maybe the first time he's actually had a haircut in in the last couple of years. Yeah, look, he's, uh, you know, he's, he's constantly putting his hair behind his ears. And even my wife says, can you tell him to cut his hair? So as soon as he had it uh, cut, my wife texted me saying, tell, tell Farrell I'm really proud of him. Ah, fantastic. Uh, yeah, well... Well, Mate, look, I just want to say it's a big game for you guys today. You know, you're sitting in 10th spot and, you know, the three points can make all the difference, put you up into eighth, uh, you know, and on the verge of that top six. Uh, it's uh, a really important game. On I guess you're not underestimating how important this game is for you guys. 
No, no, I'm not underestimating it. You know, like I said, it's uh, it, it's been challenging for everyone. We have still got a couple of games in hand on on, on teams above us. So, yep. you know, you want to win every game for us. It's a home game, but it's obviously much you've taken it regional. Um, look, you know, we have got, you know, we have we, have, uh, we are down to quite a few players today. It's obviously a really young team we've got anyway. So, look, for me, I always look at that as a positive. It's an opportunity for for, for some other young players to come in and. And, and put in performance and, 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 and you know and help the team. So look, I'm confident we can get a result today. It's not going to be easy. They you know they have a, a big squad. They've got a lot of uh, you know a lot a lot of uh, experienced players and, and 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 you know they've obviously got a big budget as well. So look, you know that's never scared us this season. But yeah, look, we want to win games of football. Um, you know that run that run of conceding late goals. Um, you know cost us a lot of points, but. You know, there's a lot of points to play for, so we just got to concentrate on on each game as it comes and try and win the game, which is what we'll do today. Hey, Monty, just one more quick one. Uh, just a wrap for the two young boys that made their debut in Perth. One was a defender, the other is a, a striker who actually hails from WA. Can you just spend a, a few moments talking about those two boys? Because what a moment for them, making their debut in WA. Yeah, look, James Bailey, he's been at the academy for for a long time. Obviously, local boy um, from from Terrigal. So for him to get his starting debut, I thought he did really well. Um, you know, they say tough, tough. You know, flying to Perth, three-hour time difference, and then making his debut. But I thought he uh, he did really well, especially second half. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, look, Donald Jock, we brought him to the academy. He's playing in Melbourne MPL. He's a, he's a young lad. He's obviously quite raw. You know, similar to Lou. Um, when he first came to the club, so look, he needs work, but look, he's, he's got massive heart, he's got uh, good aerial ability, and, and, and to be able to, to, to bring him on, you know, while we're lacking the likes of Matty Simon and Maresh, you know, to have someone that can come on or, off the bench or start a game, um, you know, again, for him, it's uh, it's been a, a big journey. Five years ago, he wasn't playing football, and, and, you know, then he makes his debut in Perth, his hometown, in front of his family and friends, so special moment for him, and yeah, he's a good kid, and, you know, he, he'll work hard, and no doubt we'll see more of him. Hey, Nick, thanks for your time. Good luck in Mudgee against MacArthur, against the Bulls, and uh, look forward to catching up soon. Cheers, guys. Thank you. Nick Montgomery, Mariners head coach, uh, last night in the A-League. Ooh, uh, Newcastle. Yeah, what a so, performance. So Newcastle leapfrogged the Mariners on the table. They yeah. go to 18, 18 points. points. Yeah. Olivia Bumal with a double, with a brace in the 51st and 63rd minute. I actually really enjoyed... Yeah, I was flicking between all three. So Collingwood were playing St Kilda. Yes. Uh, I was watching Manly and the Roosters, which I thought was a fantastic game as well. And yeah, Manly really came at them in the second half, but couldn't cross the line that game at the SCG. And then I was watching the A-League as well. And sometimes, you know, it's a dour struggle, but I was able to see a couple of cracking goals. I saw the goal from Becca Mikultate. In the 67th minute, that was a superb finish as well. And then they got one more with Babal scoring in the 83rd minute. So 4-0 win for the Jets over Wellington. And that's where your son's playing at the moment with yeah, the Jets? Yeah, he's up there at the moment. And uh, he actually plays this afternoon down at Fraser Park. Um, and the other, the young fellow goes down to Bonnie Rig tomorrow. Um, so we've got a trip down there. But yeah, that's a big win for the Jets. You know, those three points are so important for them. They're probably sitting in the 10th spot. They've jumped uh, Central Coast. They've jumped, uh, jumped Western Sydney now, and uh, it's such a, it's so close that from you know that tenth, eleventh spot, um, through to about seventh or eighth, uh, sixth, it's uh, really tight there. Yeah, uh, and they've only played sixteen games. Mariners, yes. Mariners have played fifteen. Mm-hmm. So if you look at Sydney FC, they played seventeen. Adelaide United eighteen. Melbourne City on top of the table, also 18. 18 games. We're off to our first break. We're back in a moment to talk some more rugby league. Tony Clark will join us 
And one of the world's greatest surfers, Ace Bucken, is coming up in this first hour. This is Saturdays on the Coast on SEN. Robson Civil. With over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience, visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au. BJ Howes Metal Land. The coast's tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast. Yeah, good morning. Welcome back. We're live at Shelley Beach Golf Course. We were meant to be at the surfing at Avoca. Beauty, have we gone soft? Yes, we have, and I'm okay with that. Look, don't worry about that. I got the early morning phone call from Lachlan, our technician. Uh, I don't know. Should we have braved the elements down there at Avoca, the cyclonic winds and the driving rain? Uh, I think we probably would have perched ourselves in the surf club somewhere, to be honest with you, and just watched from afar. Actually, are we soft or is Lachlan soft, our technician? Lachlan smart. That's what I would suggest. Lachlan's, Very smart. Lachlan smart. Hey, Butzer, where do we want to go? We've got TC, the great Tony Clark, joining us, a multiple premiership winning coach. I think we've got him on the line right now to talk about Friday night and Thursday night footy. TC, good morning. Good morning, boys. And I tell you, you made the right decision because I was at a maker this morning and I think you're a lot better off where you are. <laughs> hey, hey, TC, you've got some intel on Jacob Farrell. And uh, we were talking about how incredible that he was part of the shave for the cure. Ah, we're outstanding, young man. Great, great initiative uh, by the Mariners, of course. You know, our community club and, uh, and of course, uh, Jacob's uh, old school uh, on, on the hill there at Mount Penang. And, uh, uh, yeah, the, the same gap because it's uh, very precious to him, the locks, ever since he was a young man. But uh, there is a certain hairdresser that um, didn't take kindly to a couple of comments there by the uh, head coach. So um, <laughs> it'll be interesting to see uh, in a month or so when those golden locks return, what sort of style will be done. Mm, I'm looking for the mullet, mate. Maybe the mullet is that is that in Kerry's repertoire? Can she put something like that on? <laughs> well, I don't know, but still I think she should practice on you, to be model. honest. Let's let's get her to practice <laughs> on you for a while. Hey, uh, TC, yeah, exactly. we could start with the NR. We could start with the NRL, but uh, you told me off the air that you had some high-level talks with Central Coast Rugby League yesterday. Yeah, gee, you can give a secret. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. As, as we discussed last week, um, you know, there's certainly some uh, some, some big things happening, and I, and I thought that uh, I'd go, uh, you know, and, instead of talking, uh, you know, without the facts in front of me. So, very interesting uh, discussion I've had, and um, and there'll be plenty to announce over the next couple of weeks. There's some there's some big things happening, and uh, of course, you've got to get both sides of the story, Steve, as, as I did, and, and you know that you know I'm very passionate about the future of Central Coast League, not, not only the, the seniors, but it's so important that we uh, continue to, uh, you know, grow the participation rate amongst them and, and retain the young players in the game, you know. So, yeah, no, it was, uh, it was a very, uh, it was a robust discussion at times, but uh, I was thinking that, um, you know, there, there, there's plenty happening and, there, and there's a lot of uh, uh, good people that, uh, you know, are going to work hard to, to sustain the game on the coast. Is TC like a politician? I, I think oh, he just was... spoke for a minute without saying anything. Yeah, no, it was brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> you know what, robust. Like, I, I like the word robust. Robust. I, I, I agree with you with, and probably the key for rugby league, especially in a lot of areas, is about retention. It's not because there's so many options now for young kids. You know, AFL, soccer, uh, rugby union, uh, Oztag, touch footy. The, the options are endless. Yeah, I, I did some work with Triathlon New South Wales yep. and Triathlon Australia this week, Buttes, and that's their key concern is retention mm. uh, because, you know, there's so many other sports trying to grab their athletes. Yeah, and I look at it and I think it's so important for the game of rugby league. I think what we've seen in the influx of uh, participation in the women's in terms of league tag, um, has been a real positive for the game. 
But the other side of it is that the lack of numbers in the male side of things and the decrease there. Now, I think that's where it's important. We look to rebuild the game, not only here on the Central Coast, but, you know, throughout uh, a lot of the regional areas. Oh, yeah, 100%, Michael. That, that's correct. I mean, it, it, it's stabilising on the case. But it's only, you know, the, the, I was shown some facts because I was critical of the point system last week that, that's been implemented. And then I was shown um, some facts and figures yesterday regarding the Illawarra competition. Had they not brought in a point system, there would have been two teams uh, that were going to participate in Ill- in the Illawarra area, which is just, mm. un, you know, unbelievable to think that, you know, in the first grade comp. So, you know, because, you know, you have you know very strong financial clubs. And, of course, you have the clubs that are, they're still relying on their chook raffles. So, you know, it, yep. it's a fine line, um, uh, you know, to, to, to do it. But the, the thing is, exactly what you've said then, and there's a, there's a really big initiative by the NRL um, with a new program that they're, they're going to implement that, um, you know, we'll, we'll hopefully talk about during the week, actually, that uh, uh, is, is all about not so much the, the better kids, but the, the kids that, that, you know, we, we want to retain in the game that then go on and play, you know, your under-19s in your, in your local first grade. So, yeah, no, there, there, there's some good work being done and uh, and hopefully I can just play a little role in that. Yeah, later in the show, TC, we're going to talk with the new chair of Central Coast Rugby League. That is Joe Coit, who's done a superb job with the Glen, the Drug and Alcohol Rehab Centre at Chittaway. Uh, and now he's involved with the Glen for Women. So uh, very well-connected. Fantastic guy, another string to his bow, mm. lifelong Bulldog supporter. So uh, looking forward to chatting with Joe about his vision for Central Coast Rugby League a little later in the show. TC, I've loved all of the NRL matches so far this weekend. Storm versus Rabbitohs, 15-14 in Craig Bellamy's 500th game. Actually, let's start there. Can you mm. give us your analysis? I mean, we've seen Jack Gibson's the coach in the team of the century. Wayne Bennett, premiership winner in... 92, 93, 97, 98, 2000, 2006, just an absolute... And 2010. 2010, yeah. 2010, and 2010. with St. George Illawarra. But what are your thoughts about Coach Craig Bellamy? Oh, it's, it's just quite incredible to, um, you know, to the, the longevity, but the success, too. I think he's over 70% of, of, of win ratio, you know, which is just unheard of. But he, to me, Craig has sort of transcended rugby league. I think the, the, the storm... What you know, if they're not in the top three sporting organisations in in Australia, I, I, I'll you know you'd have to put a good argument for for three above them because they just their continued success is is quite incredible. I mean, we we say it every year, Michael, don't we? You know, is this the year that they're going to drop off? Is this the year they're going to drop off? And then they produce what they did on Thursday night. I was unfortunately uh, like Michael. I, I went a bit about the 68th minute and I thought it's at home. You know? <laughs> I've missed the last 10, but uh, I couldn't yep. believe it when I woke up that uh, it, it got to where it did. But uh, um, no, they're, they're, they're just a magnificent sporting organisation. I mean, they've, they've had their hiccups along the way and, uh, and always fought back, um, you know, uh, from, from those setbacks. So, yeah, it's, uh, congratulations to Craig. And, and again, it's, it's also his off-field, you know, people around him. You know, Frank Panisi is just a, a, a terrific operator and, and you know, the, 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 they'll have continued success for as long as those, uh, those two are there. Hey, TC, have you got just a couple more minutes? Uh, we need to go to the news, but we'd love to come back and fire a few more questions at you. Okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, beautiful. beautiful. He sounds convincing. Yeah, yeah, uh, plenty to talk about. The great TC, numerous uh, premiership winner here on the Central Coast, now with the, the mighty North Sydney Bears. We're off to the news back in just a few moments. Adrian Buck and around about 10 minutes away as well on Saturdays on the Coast.
Robson Civil, with over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience. Visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au. BJ Howes Metal Land, the coast's tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast. Yeah, we're live from Shelley Beach Golf Course. You may be able to hear in the effects, Mike, just the howling wind out mm, there. She's a-blowing. Yeah, cyclonic conditions, and the siren went off here at Shelley Beach Golf Course. Some of the early golfers had to come back to the clubhouse because suddenly the greens were underwater. Hey, I want to ask you and also TC, Tony Clark, who's with us, multiple premiership winning coach and also part of the North Sydney Bears. I've just got a feeling some of the games I've watched so far in the National Rugby League this weekend, the ruck looks messy. Mm-hmm. It's almost like a return to the bad old days. Uh, I'm just trying to think, was it the Roosters-Seagulls game? Or maybe it was the Dragons-Panthers where I just thought they are laying all over them in the ruck. It was the Dragons-Panthers. And I thought, th- and even the commentators said, this is starting to get pretty ugly. What, what were your thoughts first, Buttes? Well, look, I haven't really noticed it, but what I'll say is this, right? Is the fact that They've adjusted the rules. So last year, it was easy to just go six again, right? It was just too easy. Put your hand up, give him six again. We got this game where it was like unlimited tackles, right? Now, in the 40, you'll give a penalty. Outside the 40, uh, you'll give him six again. So I think that adjustment has suddenly meant that, A, the players are adjusting, referees adjusting, and I think it's going to take a couple of weeks until we get you know, some sort of alignment with what we're looking for. Yeah, what are your thoughts, TC? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with Michael 100% on that. So I sort of haven't noticed it too much, actually. Um, mm. I, I thought one thing I'm very happy about, Michael, is that the, the, the crusher tackle seems to have, um, you know, the, the, the areas of contact have, have, have certainly dissipated in, in there. I don't think that, I think there was a crusher penalty last night with a manly player, but, uh, you know, it was more the way he backed into the, uh, you know, the, the attacker backed into the defender. Yep. So that that's something I'm very happy with. But uh, no, I haven't noticed too much around the ruck, Steve. I, I thought it probably, I think the conditions last night with the uh, uh, the St George Penrith game towards the end probably, you know, didn't help because it was um, she was she was a pretty heavy rain. But uh, yeah, no, I, I don't know. I, I think um, um, it's it's heading in the right direction. But again, the coaches will find a way to exploit these penalties, Michael. Yeah, oh, no, no doubt about it, mate. No doubt about it. And, they, you know, they're smart, they're good enough, and, you know, they've, they've been around long enough to, uh, you know, well, I thought push, the, push the, the rules. Melbourne game. Yeah, yep. with the Melbourne game, when I saw the highlights a little bit later where they didn't pack the scrum, you know, they, they were calling and calling and calling, and Justin Ollen went up and shook hands with the South folks, you know, so that, that, there, there was a real ploy there to give the penalty away. So, you know, to, instead of having six in the scrum, you're going to have a defensive line of 13. So yep. um, I'm sure that, 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 that the NRL will certainly... Look, as long as as long as long we don't have a knee-jerk reaction to it, I, th- I think the thing hmm. is that, okay, we've made a decision, let's go with it for a while too. Correct. Be patient with what yeah. they're doing. Don't yeah. overreact. Or you know what? Don't read everything that's written on social media and in the papers and feel that you need to make an adjustment. So, so we don't want Magic Round version oh, two wow. in in twenty twenty two. Hey boys, let me throw this at you. So the Roosters, an ambush in round one against the Newcastle Knights, and congratulations to the Knights. A fantastic win. But uh, TC mentioned about Melbourne as a franchise and what they stand for. Look at the response from the Sydney Roosters now. Don't let the scoreline fool you. I know they won 26-12, but there was a period in the second half where I felt like Manly really had the ascendancy, but rock-solid Roosters defence. So Hutchinson scores in the second minute. Tupo, fantastic game, scores in the eighth. Nat Butcher, a double. Uh, Satili Tupanua, 
scored in the 31st, but he, he was incredible. Uh, TC, you first, mate. What were your thoughts? Oh, yeah, exactly. So I, I thought it was just a, 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 another great performance. I think I think the thing with Manly is that it would be concerning Des is their slow starts. I mean, it was like hmm. it was like boys playing men there for a while, wasn't it? You know, the, the, probably the first twenty. So it's something that um, they're really going to have to work on. But the but the Roosters were just uh, absolutely terrific. You know, flat, fast, quick play the balls, and uh, and the and the Seagulls couldn't go with them. I thought. Um, uh, the the uh, far best for me to be critical of Des Hasler, but I just think that that you know because of the success they've had last year, there hasn't been too much of a change in how they're playing, and mm-hmm. uh, and if you're controlling if you're controlling the manly middles, which uh, both Penrith and the Roosters have done easily, um, you know it's just taken Tommy out of the game, and. Uh, uh, you know, there, there, there is so, there's just some little tweaks there that um, because it is quite a predictable, um, uh, you know, pattern of play with with Manly. So I'm sure that Desi didn't sleep too well last night. And uh, you know, as I said, Faber, it's a new bit critical of him, but I'd like to see just a little evolution in in, in the style they're playing. Yeah, Butes, that was my next question about the turbo. What are your thoughts? Does he look like he's slightly off last night? And they said they did check him late in the match. Uh, did I hear the word medial? No, look, I, I don't know whether he's slightly off. What I do believe is I think Manly are slightly off, which certainly has an impact on the effectiveness. And like uh, TC said, the effectiveness of what Tommy can do. Uh, and if they're not going forward and if they're not you know, competing against the opposition and, and giving him good field position, then you know what? He's not a miracle worker, right? He Last year's performance was on the back of a side that were rolling forward Right, and we're playing good footy. And at the moment, Manly aren't there right now. What I was impressed with with the Roosters, though, was the halves of Sam Walker and Luke Keary. And I think they're only going to get better. Like, they haven't played a lot of games together as such. But their combinations last night, I thought, worked really well. And they probably scored a couple of really good tries. Not from the sweeper out the back, which is generally the ball to Tedesco. But I was hitting the short ball to the, to the straight runner, Tupanua, Butcher, on a couple of occasions, where it just opened up for them. And, you know, defensively, that would be concerning for me if I was Manly, concerned about, you know, where our numbers are, how we're reading or over-reading the play, uh, and not looking at the man and, and all the options in and around that. But to their credit, um, I, I think Kiri, the speed that he had and the pressure he puts on the defensive line, you know what, he's going to... The, the Roosters are going to be... Uh, have another solid season. I yeah, about it. well said, Buttes. Uh, TC, I want to get your thoughts on the Knights before we wrap this up. So, as I said, they burst out of the blocks last week. I think they've got the best record in the National Rugby League for a first-round game at home or their first uh, home appearance. They host the West Tigers tomorrow at 4.05. Your thoughts? Yeah, it'd be a, a cracker. I mean, you know, the form line. If we if we if we're racehorses, I mean, you, you you couldn't put enough on the nights tomorrow night or tomorrow afternoon. I mean, after after seeing them, you know, uh, uh, what they did um, to the Roosters. So yeah, no, they've 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 done some really good things up there, uh, the Knights, and and I I just can't see. I mean, the Roosters. Uh, the sorry, the, the Tigers were were impressive last week for probably what sixty sixty five minutes. But as we know, it goes for eighty minutes. So. It'll be a tough ask because I've got to imagine, Steve, that, uh, you know, uh, hopefully a good day that um, there'll be a lot of Nova Castrians wanting to go to footy tomorrow afternoon. Yeah, and TC, you'd love this, Jacob Saifidi to play his 100th National Mm. Rugby League game out of St. Edwards and also the very first, uh, him and his brother, the very first Frangipani Grant recipients with Danica Clark Foundation. 
yeah, it's outstanding, isn't it? Just wonderful ambassadors, uh, you know, for, for, for their club and, and for the game. You know, great kids and, and congratulations to both of them for uh, for what they're doing. And, of course, we can't forget Jaron Purcell, who was named, um, again, in the in the 24, uh, you know, mm. first grade. Jaron is, is a Warnock junior, uh, you know, great family, the Purcells, and, of course, uh, was was part of our foundation for, for the three years. So, uh, you know, great for Jaron. And, uh, and good on the Knights because they're... Uh, they're, they're starting to realise, well, you know, they have realised that the community, they are a community club and uh, and they're really working hard to, to make that connection again. And, and I see some really good things happening with them over the next couple of years. Yeah, great stuff, TC. Uh, awesome to have you on the show. Just quickly, uh, North Sydney, where are you today? Uh, we're off to Parramatta, playing the mighty Parramatta Royals at uh, Cabramatta. It's been transferred from uh, from the big stadium, but that's okay. Uh, yeah, we've had a, a good week of training. We're really competitive against a, a very strong South Sydney team, coached by, uh, I was starstruck last Saturday, the, the coach by Johnny Sutton, and of course, uh, Sam Burgess was uh, uh, their assistant coach. So uh, I got a photo with the boys after the game, even though they beat us, and uh, it was great to be at Redfin, such a historical, you know, historic ground with the rabbits. But yeah, no big ass today, but... Uh, We'll certainly be going down there to uh, put our best foot forward, Steve-O. Yeah, beautiful. Thanks for your time, TC. We'll talk soon. Good on you. Thanks, boys. Tony Clark, uh, multiple premiership winner here, also uh, now with your old club, Buttes. Mm, the Mighty Bears. And, and doing a superb job there, too, with their juniors. Uh, he told me there was a, a fairly emotional moment a few days ago with some of the young boys. And, you know, some of them, like uh, what we spoke about is that it's not so much on the field, it's you developing good young men off the field. I think that's the key, and it's probably what Craig Bellamy has done so well. It's probably the likes of, uh, you know, a Wayne Bennett, and probably why they have had the longevity in their careers um, because of that reason. It's not only what they do and able to create for players on the field, but it's what they do off the field. And, you know, that is such a, a valuable part of, I guess, sport, which is probably underestimated uh, from coaches at the junior level, you have a massive influence on these young kids. Hey, by the way, the uh, text line, 0477 736 736. That's 0477 736 736. The bald badger, he tells us he's in Mudgee. Uh, he's ready, he ready, willing and able to give us a pitch report from Mudgee this morning and also says, boys, I love the show. 0477 736 736. Is he on the junket? S- yeah, absolutely. <laughs> of course he is. Uh, surfing legend Ace Bucken joining us next on Saturdays on the Coast. Robson Civil. With over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience, visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au. BJ Howes Metal Land. The Coast's tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast. Yeah, good morning. I hope you're enjoying the weekend so far. A little wet on the Central Coast, but my intel is from the Weather Bureau. It's going to be beautiful tomorrow. And uh, joining us right now, standing ovation time, an absolute legend on the World Surfing Tour and also away from the tour. Uh, you know, he's absolutely brilliant in terms of charity and awareness. We'll talk more about that through the interview, but let's get straight to him. Adrian Ace Bucken. Good morning, mate. Great to have you on the show. Morning, Steve. It's been a while, mate. Thanks to thanks for having me back on the show. Yeah, more importantly, uh, how are you? How's the family after a couple of tough years through the pandemic? Yeah, mate. I'm I'm well. You know, I think you know, given what a lot of people have gone through over the last you know two years, it's it's hard to to complain. Um, you know, I'm I'm personally, I think, five weeks post ankle surgery, so actually took my first steps off the crutches this week and um, I think my 
my wife was probably just as stoked as I was to have an able-bodied kind of helpful husband back around the house. Um, but mate, it's been, it's been a time for me to kind of, you know, focus on a few other things and, and be productive in other ways, obviously, you know, missing surfing um, and, you know, the event happening kind of on my front door this week would have been really fun, but I've enjoyed watching all the kids and, and supporting all the, you know, guys and girls from the Central Coast. Yeah, and of course, uh, you're a former winner of that event. Uh, great to see another all-Central Coast matchup in the female event yesterday. Alongside me, the great rugby league player, Michael Butner has got the next question. Yeah, g'day, uh, Asa. Just, mate, you must be so proud, like, you know, having this uh, competition in your own backyard. Like, you know, you guys have laid uh, the foundation, I believe, for um, all the surfers on the coast here. And, you know what, to, to see and you may underestimate it, but to see what you've managed to achieve and do throughout your career, and, you know, you're going to continue to do, but it certainly paved the way for, you know, an event like this to be held here, and I think recognition of the fact that the quality of surfers that are coming along and competing at this event uh, is a reflection of uh, how significant it is. Hey, Butes, yeah, I mean, thank you. Um, You know, I think for me, I guess, um, you know, I felt like I was just kind of carrying you know, the flame from the guys and girls that kind of, you know, passed it on to me. You know, I guess I grew up looking up to, um, you know, Mark Sainsby, Ross Clark-Jones, kind of Shane Powell. And um, I think the great thing about being a surf on the Central Coast is that there's always been, you know, this this generation of guys and girls at the top. And obviously you're seeing that now with... Um, you know, Macy and, and Molly, that was, you know, incredible to watch them. I think that's two years in a row now that they've kind of um, battled it out in the final here at Avoca. And, yeah, I think the fact that we do have this kind of, you know, world-class event um, here on the Central Coast is good recognition of, you know, all the great surfers that have come out of the Central Coast, especially over the last decade or so. We've been, you know, in some senses, I guess, overrepresented on the world tour. Um, you know, a coastal region. Um, you know, we've had had more surfers, I guess, on the world tour than places like Sydney and the Gold Coast. And yeah, it's great to see. And I think, um, you know, it's also a pat on the back for all the local board riders club that really, you know, they raise us and kind of give us our start in surfing. Hey, yesterday we saw Macy Callahan win her local competition. She she scored an eight point eight three with a blistering backhand attack. But one thing we saw in the final ace was an aerial for Molly Picklam. And I think it really showcased what could be possible on the Women's World Tour moving forward. I actually thought she might have been scored higher, but what were your thoughts? So she didn't grab the board. It was a full aerial, and she landed it. So it's pretty exciting stuff, isn't it? Yeah, gosh. Um, Molly's just so fun to watch. You know, I've you know spent a lot of time surfing with her over the last two years. Um, you know, we both work with Micro um, as our coach. And, um, yeah, it's been really fun to kind of watch her progression. And she, you know, is someone who's really kind of embraced that side of the of the sport. And, um, you know, he's really kind of pushing at the edges. And, um, look, full credit to Macy. She's an incredible competitor and, um, you know, very consistent, super reliable and, um, you know, she competes really smartly. Um, so, yeah, look, I think Molly um, was in a position, obviously, you know, Macy put the pressure on her and Molly was kind of, you know, 
in a in a spot where she had to you know get creative and it's cool to see that you know women's surfing is going there now and um you know i think molly's going to be a really big threat to some of the established girls on the on the women's tour this year Mate, I've got to say, Ace, um, just on Molly, um, you obviously must be impressed with what she's managed to do in her rookie season thus far. Um, and we've had Jess Grimwood on, who actually sort of made a bold prediction that she could actually see her escalate uh, and possibly be, dare I say it, the world number one by the end of the year because of the upcoming uh, competitions um, that are uh, forthcoming. How do you see her progressing and how do you see her first uh, or her rookie season uh, in the big league? Yeah, look, I think there's no doubt that Molly's got the the skills there to beat anyone and she showed that in Hawaii. You know, she took down Carissa at Sunset and Carissa's the reigning world champion. You know, Sunset is a way that she probably knows better than any of the girls on tour. Um, I think... The thing that, you know, is new this year is that we've got a mid-year cut for the first time in about 10 years. Um, and that puts a lot of pressure on, on you know, the guys and the girls. And I think that's the first hurdle for Molly. You know, she's starting the tour in a place where she's got a low seed coming up against the, the top seeds and she's already shown that she can beat them. Um, I think if she can get through that mid-year cut, there's a lot of spots in the back half um, you know, Tahiti, G-Land, uh, Jeffreys Bay, that she could really shine. And, yeah, you know, I think she's got a chance of making that final five. And I think mm-hmm. if you get there, it's kind of anyone's game. But um, the good thing about Molly is I think she's kind of, you know, focused on what's in front of her, but she also knows that this is, you know, a marathon and it's not a sprint. And she's been working for, you know, the past five years really to kind of, develop herself as a complete surfer and I think with the girls who are now going to all the same spots as the guys you're going to see these kind of really well-rounded female surfers um, start to kind of emerge and I think Molly's a great example of that so um, in terms of predictions I think maybe this year you know might be a bit too soon but um, you know I think we're going to see Molly in that final five within the next couple of years and she's going to be a massive threat. Hey, Adrian, we've only got a few seconds left, but I just want to touch on, and it's got to be in 25 words or less, but I see you're the, on the Surfer for Climate board member. Uh, you're a climate activist. Yep. Uh, do you believe that, in my opinion, I think last year the best speech of 2021 was Mia Motley, the PM of Barbados, and I feel like everyone should watch that speech. It was just remarkable. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, climate change is going to affect all those low-lying countries, you know, much more than than others. And, yeah, I think we've just, we've all got a responsibility to play and especially as surfers and people that, you know, we rely on the environment for our happiness. So, um, you know, we've all, we've all got a role to play. Yeah, beautiful, mate. Another standing ovation for yep. you. So good to uh, have you back on the show, mate. And all the best. We'll catch up soon. No, thanks for having me, guys. Have a great weekend. Yeah, absolute legend joining us on mm. Saturdays on the Coast, Adrian Bucken, for over 16 years at the top of his game. And uh, he's won a couple of times as well in France. And also, uh, uh, I think it was a cloud break where he had a fantastic win and just such a pleasure to talk to him after a couple of years. This is Saturdays on the Coast on SEN.
Robson Civil, with over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience. Visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au. BJ House Metal Land, the coast's tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhouse.com.au. Welcome to Saturdays on the Coast. Yeah, welcome back. We're live at Shelley Beach and we've retreated indoors. Mm-hmm. We were meant to be at the surfing at Avoca, uh, but due to our technician, Lachlan, who phoned at about 5.30 this morning, uh, it was like cyclonic conditions there. So we're back at our spiritual home, Shelley Beach Golf Course. By the way, at Avoca at the moment, they're in the quarterfinals, Michael, of the Pro Junior. So Lennox Chell from Avoca is in action at the moment in the quarterfinals. The next quarterfinal is one of the superstars from North Shelley Boardriders, the Australian champions. Joel Vaughan is coming up in a few moments' time. Fantastic. Exciting stuff. If you're looking for some uh, surfing action, mate, head down to Avoca. That's where it's all happening. Hey, by the way, uh, a Paralympian joining us soon Mm. as well. So a Paralympian in Rio in track and field and then a Paralympian in snow sports in the giant slalom. Unbelievable. Yeah, it is unbelievable Mm. in uh, Beijing. So Ray Anderson will join us live at the panel in a few moments' time. But right now, let's go to a guy who was actually... He was at the G. Can you believe he was at the MCG to watch his beloved Richmond Tigers? Oh. And they went down as well. Gary Birkinshaw, good morning, mate. Good morning, Steve. Good morning, Butch. Yes, I was at the MCG on both uh, Wednesday and Thursday night. So it was uh, yeah. great to be back at the football. It was, yeah, the atmosphere down in Melbourne, they, they haven't had a lot of live football there over the past two years, really. And, uh, geez, the crowd really got into it. And, uh, yeah, it was great to be back, to be honest. Mate, the grand final replay on Wednesday night, uh, and then we have the traditional season opener, which wasn't the season opener, but anyway, that's the way it rolls. Uh, Carlton versus Richmond. Both good games. Um, obviously, the the Melbourne Bulldogs game, same result as uh, last year's grand final, Melbourne getting the cash. But probably the big news to come out of that was the press conference, or the post-match press, oh. uh, press conference, and Luke Beveridge blowing up Deluxe at one of the... Uh, Commentators, the Fox Sports commentators. Um, I haven't seen anything like that for. Oh, I don't think whether I've seen anything like that where it's a, uh, an absolute absolute attack at a uh, reporter commentator. Um, it just was appeared to be so out of line. Yeah, it was incredible. Uh, and I, since then, I mentioned at the top of the show that journalist has now been sacked for. Something else he did. Mm, inappropriate comments. Uh, absolutely inappropriate yep. to uh, about a young lady that we all love who works in National Rugby League. But uh, what were your thoughts, Gary? Yeah, look, Steve, like you're a journalist as well. I've never seen anything like, like to be perfectly honest. And, you know, I watch press conferences after after most games of coaches and that, and I've just never seen just... It, it was just as if he was waiting for this uh, reporter to ask the question, and then he just, he just unloaded and I think the mm. whole press conference went for five minutes, and I already spent four minutes just attacking this journalist, and then effectively telling him he, he shouldn't even be there when it's an AFL press conference, and then and then just ended the press conference there. And then it was just a, an amazing attack on two stories that, that were, were leaked. So one was before last year's grand final, and one was before round one in relation to a player not being selected in the side. And the, the whole point was that Luke Beveridge, the coach, actually admitted that. The, the, both those articles were, were correct. They weren't incorrect articles. They were actually correct. Um, but there's a leak within the, the football club, obviously, uh, that, that got to the journalist. And, um, and yeah, he just, just unloaded and was, was totally unprofessional from Luke Beveridge. And to be perfectly honest, 
looked like a coach who was really, really under stress, and we're in round one of, of a new season. Mm. And you know, I, I just thought that yeah, you know, if, if I'm if I'm the Western Bulldogs, and I read read a lot of the uh, uh, the articles that were printed yesterday while I was down in Melbourne as well about there. And you know, the, the concern was obviously with the Western Bulldogs about how they're going to handle it, but also their, their, their main their coach just appears under so much pressure. Yeah, Bevo's donating, I think, $20,000 to mm. charity. Uh, I'm not sure you're going to want to talk too much about this, Guru, but uh, 101 to 76, 14 mm. goals, 17 to 11 goals, 10. What a win by Carlton, the Navy Blues. Their, uh, their uh, first, even like seven round one clashes, the first time they've done it since I think it was 2014 or something along those lines. Yeah, so they break all the records. New no. coach as well in Vossi. Mm-hmm. Uh, so how was that game at the MCG? Oh, look, it was a fantastic game of football. And to put it all into context, I suppose, Steve, look, the weather down there would have been probably, you know, mid-20 degrees at, at 9 o'clock at night. So the weather was, was fantastic. Probably a bit humid down there. But, look, you've got to give full credit to Carlton. They were absolutely superb. And it's the first time in 10 years they've beaten Richmond in round one. Over the, and during the course of that 10 years, everyone's been critical that the Richmond-Carlton game has been given the, the season opener continually every year based on how Carlton have been performing. But... Yeah, they've recruited very well in the off-season. They've got a new coach, obviously. They changed their game plan, but, but they looked very even across the board. They were way too strong for Richmond through the middle of the ground. And, and as was the case in the Melbourne uh, Bulldogs game, as well as it, once they got a run on, once they, they just couldn't stop them. They kicked the last seven goals of the game. Richmond were 20 points mm. up in the last quarter. They kicked the last seven goals. But the most important stat out of that in the last quarter was the inside 50s. Carlton was when Carlton's way twenty-two to two in the wow. in the last quarter. Richard were very undisciplined. They gave away eight fifty-meter free kicks, which was just and to be honest, they're all there. There's no no qualms about the umpiring. All the umpiring was fine, but it was just undisciplined from Richmond, and and they look a bit frazzled. They they played good football in patches, but but you know I think the big story is not so much about Richmond, but about Carlton because one thing from an AFL perspective is the AFL is in is in in good position when Carlton are doing well and Collingwood are doing well who won last night they are big uh, historical clubs in Melbourne and with strong supporter bases so when they're up and about footy's up and about and there were 75,000 people at the G on Thursday night and the noise it was a Carlton home game the noise yeah. I had a we took a friend who'd never been to the football the MCG before he just could not get over how loud it was there yeah, what, sort of, what sort of numbers did they have there guys 60 odd thousand 75 Wow. 58 on, 58 on Wednesday night, which is probably a bit disappointing. They expected 80,000, uh, but yeah. they got 58,000 for Melbourne, the Bulldogs. Bulldogs aren't a strong, uh, aren't a strong membership club, um, but Richmond Carlton, very strong, very historical, very big membership. Yeah, so 75,000, and uh, look, it was, it was pumping. There's no doubt about that. I could not agree more. I think I sent my son a text going, what about the roar when, yep. uh, you know, when Carlton kicked a goal? I, you mentioned about Collingwood. I feel like St Kilda blew it. I think they had numerous opportunities, but they made some skill errors. But there were so many great aspects to come out of that game because the Dacos brothers played together for the first time and uh, the, the young Dacos on debut has nailed one. And so there were great scenes in the crowd with his mum and dad celebrating. So just fantastic and a good win by Collingwood. I mean, they steadied and they ended up winners 102 to 85. Collingwood over St Kilda last night. What were your thoughts? Yeah, look, they're very good. I'll just get back to the Carlton about the rule for just one one moment. Is, is the rule that was made was when Sam Doherty kicked the goal. For those who may not be aware, Sam Doherty has, has, 
has had recovered twice from um, testicular cancer. And last night, was in round one was his first game back. They didn't think he'd, he'd ever play again, but he actually got back for round one last night. And he's actually kicked the goal. And, and obviously, all the Carlton teammates went straight to him. The actual crowd got up and, and Steve you gave him a standing ovation. It was just... And that's, that's Richmond supporters as well, just as a testament of, of the courage of the man to get back to what he has and, and then actually perform really well. But, but the, And that noise then, I've never heard anything like it. And I've been to the grand final. It was incredible and well done to, to Sam Doherty. But the last night, I yeah, to see the Dacos boys, it was um, the young the young one, um, uh, Nick, he's going to be a very, very good player. He um, uh, he looked very, very composed across half-back. And uh, and I agree. With I think Gilda had plenty of opportunities to win that game. They they got back level with him. And then, as you said, a couple of skill errors at the final time at the end, um, you know, just turned the ball over. Collingwood got, got goals at, at the right time. And just to the big player stood up for Collingwood. Jordan Dugowie was was absolutely superb last night and about to, to sign a new two-year deal with Collingwood after the problems that he had in in, um, in the off-season over in, in America and um had with the law over there. But he's back and running. And, uh, yeah, good win by Collingwood. But one, St Kilda will certainly think they, they, they let go. Yeah. Hey, Abutz has got the next question. But uh, did we all see Mason Cox with the sunglasses on? I mean, he was trending on Twitter. I mean, I've never seen anything like it except maybe the uh, NBA basketball, but this was even more kind of bizarre. How funny was it? And uh, so obviously he's got eyesight problems. That, 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 that's the issue. He's been playing with uh, contact lenses. They haven't worked. They, he's got these glasses. But Mason, and everyone's ridiculing him, but Mason Cox has got the great retort to when they actually we talk about it. He says, here's people who play a game in tight singlets and tight shorts in the middle of winter and they're having a go at me for wearing glasses. So it's a very good report. Ah, I like there. it. Well, sponsor, sponsored by Ray-Ban. Yeah, yeah, he's got it covered. He's all over it. No, he's starting a new trend, mate. That's a big thing. Hey, guys, I want to touch on the uh, Swans taking on uh, Western Sydney, GWS, and but more importantly, Buddy uh, aiming for 1,000 goals. Uh, he's on 995 at the moment. Uh, it would be a massive achievement. This is his 17th season in the AFL, which is quite phenomenal. What a great effort Lance Franklin is. So they signed him mm. for a 10-year uh, deal. 10-year deal, And now he's going to near it. Yeah, and now he's going to, look, look, he's going to sign an extension for next year. But look, a big game today, the, the local derby. Played at, at Acor, the old ANZ Stadium. So it's, it's a it's a back back to the the old days era back the AFL being played at the venue which is which is excellent. They hope to get sixty thousand out. They, they get forty, I reckon they'll, they'll be lucky. The weather's not doing them real good, but but Buddy Franklin's got five to go to get a thousand. You reckon you'll get you'll get the five, or do you reckon you'll get four and sit back and wait for a Swans home game against Geelong next Friday night to get well, a thousand? Well, I, I actually think going off the trial form that uh, GWS will win the game, so Buddy won't get five anyway. D- don't worry about him putting the queue in the rack. Oh, yeah. G- GWS will win the Battle of the Bridge or the Derby, and uh, Buddy can worry about it next week at the SCG. But I, I fully agree, uh, Guru. I think that does Buddy become just the fifth player in history to go past that unbelievable milestone? Yeah, yeah. Look, and, and you, just, you just can't underestimate the, yeah, the performance that Lance Franklin's done. Because when you look at the other players, the majority of those players who kicked a thousand goals have played predominantly at full forward through the whole career. Lance Franklin's mm. played the majority of his football out on the half forward line. So he, they kicked the goals that he has. And um, if you have a look at his highlights, really, go have a look at Lance Franklin highlights on, on YouTube. It is a fantastic highlight reel. And what he's done for, for football in Sydney is, is, is you know, he, 
It's unbelievable. He's got the interest really up and flowing. And, uh, and look, he's, he's a phenomenal... I hope he keeps going forever because one of those players we spoke about uh, many times over the last couple of months, guys, is that people you pay money at the gate to go and watch. Yep. And here's one of them. When he's up and about... There is no, there's no one better to watch than Lance Franklin. All I'm going to say is I hope they've got an extra security on because if we're going to see the scenes like we did when <laughs> Tony Plugger Lockett got his thousand golds, they're going to be flooding in from everywhere. They might not have enough security well, guards. There's, there's even an article in the paper today about you know the the five thousand five hundred dollar fine. But uh, do you, how do you stop a stampede? Yep. Uh, well, what are your thoughts, Guru? Will they will they I, flood I the will... field? I will give you a 100% guarantee they will flood the field. There'll be no doubt at all about that. They interviewed um, Gil McLaughlin on, um, on television the other night, and they asked him about it, and he said that, um, I can't endorse you to run on the field, but just, just make sure you're sensible. <laughs> I can't endorse you, but I can't stop you either. <laughs> exactly yeah. right. And it, it's, a, it's a tradition. You know, if someone kicks yeah. 100 goals, they run on the ground. It's an AFL tradition. Let alone when you kick a 1,000 goals. I was there when, when Plugger Locker kicked his 1,000. Um, and not they'll do is that they'll he'll kick it. They'll rush him up the. They'll all run on the ground. They'll usher him up into the into the tunnel and wait for the the ground to be cleared. And then um, and then they'll start that the game will continue. But um, um, look, yeah, it's yeah, it'll be a great performance. But but I'm with you, Steve. I reckon um, the Giants will get out of the top of the Swans today. I think Swans are missing a couple through COVID. Jake Lloyd's not playing, but I like. I like the way that the Giants are rebuilding their side again. They've got a really strong midfield, got a real a couple of really good young kids coming through there. So, um, so I think that they'll get the chocolate today over the Swans as well. Yeah, and when you think about Buddy, and this is my final point, uh, like you said about some of the other players that uh, predominantly are full forward, I think Gordon Coventry never left the full forward square. That's the way the game used to be played. Buddy, when you think about him in terms of a set shot specialist with... Yeah, approaching over a thousand goals, he's far more comfortable just wheeling around on the left peg on that kind of arc. I mean, that's what he'll he'll be forever etched in my memory for that style of a goal. Would you agree? Oh, without a doubt. When you look at the, the players who kicked a thousand goals, a, a Tony Lockett, like if he got outside the goal square, he'd, he'd, he'd be lost. Gordon Coventry, the same. Jason Dunstall, full forward. Doug Wade, the same. And and, and Gary Alpha. So he'll be the sixth person who who's done it. And Lance Franklin, but. That arc he gets on that that swinging arc and from outside fifty and it just bends around. It is well, they, they changed the rule, didn't they? Really to, to stop him running around on the arc effectively. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and and you'll never ever forget that is, is that highlight package where they play against Essen at the MCG and here he's bouncing bouncing the ball down down the centre wing, starts at about the wing and he's got Kyle Hooker chasing him from Essendon and it, and he just kept going, ran away from him and kicked the goal from the boundary and, and that's Buddy Franklin all over. Sometimes he misses the easy shot, but he, he does the impossible and does it does it really well. Yeah, I think there would be no one harder in a one-on-one matchup because he ticks all the boxes in terms of, uh, you know, he's like next level from Wayne Carey, in, in my opinion, because of his, his speed, Size. his strength. If you're a defender and you're one-on-one with Buddy, you would be petrified. Uh, Guru... Fantastic job, mate. We're way over time. We've got uh, Paralympic legend Ray Anderson ready to join us. Uh, well done, mate. We'll catch you soon. Yeah, good on you guys. Great show. Gary Birkinshaw joining and us. And we didn't even get the, the chance to talk about the cricket. <laughs> yeah. And the Aussies over in Pakistan. Yeah, and also Central Coast cricket. Yeah. Uh, we'll take a break here. Ray Anderson, Paralympian, coming up next. Saturdays on the coast on SEN.
Robson Civil, with over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience. Visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au. BJ Howes Metal Land, the coast's tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast. Yeah, welcome back live at Shelley Beach. The rain is pelting down at the moment, and I'm starting to think, yeah, I did call him soft earlier, our technician, Lachlan, who we were meant to be at the surfing at Avoca, but I'm starting to feel... Like he may have made a good decision. It was a stroke of genius. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. Here we are, uh, nice and warm inside, and the rain is, well, it was going sideways there for a moment Yeah. Uh, because of the wind. But uh, Hey, Butes, we digress. Have a look who we've got. I know. Look who's in the house. Paralympian in Rio in track and field, and now a Paralympian in Beijing in slalom and giant slalom, standing up. For, uh, is that the sound of one hand clapping? Give it up. Yes, here we yeah. go. Make it happen. Ray Anderson, welcome home. Congratulations. Hey. Oh, thank you so much. So good to finally be back in Australia. Yeah. Now, uh, just tell us about this. So you're in Rio as a discus thrower, javelin thrower, and you're know, competing with uh, you know great distinction for Australia. When do you start to, I mean, was it a couple of trips to the snow and you thought, gee, I've got uh, you know a bit of a knack for this? Tell me more. Um, well, being from the Central Coast, I think a lot of us, Tori Pendergast included, uh, start skiing young. Um, and I would constantly go on family trips, you know, mum, dad, weekends, holidays. And I had a chance meeting with uh, Craig Geiger. So he was uh, Tori's coach. And he tried to get me involved in alpine skiing racing since 2014. And it wasn't until after Rio when they pulled uh, Javelin from the Tokyo schedule, just because of how many events and classifications we have, um, that I finally took him up on the scholarships and the amazing opportunity. Yeah, you were saying to me off the air that uh, through the pandemic you couldn't compete. So it, it really puts your results in a whole new light. Uh, tell us how you went in Beijing. Yeah, I, I went amazing. I, I had no idea how I was going to rank going into it. I was competing in NORAM, so American uh, comps, just to try and get the points to make it to Beijing. I did a few Europa Cups, so I kind of had competed against a few of the girls, but really, uh, in the grand scheme of things, hadn't competed at a, a big World Cup yet. So we were hoping, you know, maybe top 20 um, and to come away with a top 10 and a, a seventh place in the slalom was, um, you know, beyond all of our expectations, really. Yeah, I saw you started, uh, like, there were some great articles on you about, uh, you know, just how, how uh, outstanding you were. Um, so a seventh place. Uh, tell me more about, like, so you're flying down the mountain in these slalom events, but with your cerebral palsy, it makes it, makes it so much more difficult to hit yeah. some of the flags. Tell us more. Yeah, so my, uh, I guess, uh, way that I was going to ski slalom before coming into the Games was actually going to be without poles uh, because of my mirror movement disorder. So my left side copies my right. So having that pole in my right hand would make my left side seize. So coming into the games, I was actually skiing without a pole and then we realised that it was a bit hard to get out of the gates and, you know, block the, the pole. So my whole skiing technique actually looks like a guide's technique. So if you watch a guide go down the, the hill when they're um, skiing with a VI athlete, they'll actually ski and dodge the gates and duck underneath them. So that was how I was skiing basically six weeks before the games. Um, mm. So then trying to get used to using a pole again. Um, yeah, my technique is definitely a bit different to all the other girls. 
Ray, how, can I ask you, how did you find the experience between the summer and the winter Olympics? So different. Yeah. I mean, for one, it's cold. Yes. <laughs> um, and, yeah, just being, you know, a summer summer athlete with cerebral palsy, um, you know, dealing with all the different weather conditions and uh, I guess we're in a, inside a lot more than we were in the Rio Village. Um, you know, there's still a lot of similarities. Like, the athletes are incredible. It's just an amazing atmosphere to be a part of. Um, and the competition is just so incredible to be out there and um, competing together. I, th- I find it amazing that you're competing without poles and then you, like, just close to the games, you change what's been working for you. But uh, in the end, it was the right decision. Yeah, it was definitely the right decision. I mean, the biggest thing is getting out of the gates. Um, you lose so many seconds just in, in that alone. Plus the balance coming down the hill. Like, I'm really relying on, on one leg. So to be able to have that extra point of contact with the snow um, to get myself forward was the best decision we made. Who, who are the people that helped you? Who was part of your team? I have the biggest team and I'm so grateful. Like, obviously, coming from summer, I've still got a lot of those guys behind me. Um, you know, my whole medical team. Um, my coach, Steve Knott, uh, was a big influence. He, you know, gave me this opportunity once Cree gave me all the scholarships and coached me back in 2019. And then, obviously, the Snow Australia coaches. So, you know, all the big names, Tom Hodges. Yeah. <laughs> Name you, everyone. Uh, tell me more about the Australian team because you were part of the opening ceremony. And uh, tell us about the camaraderie and some of the great performances. Oh, they're just such an incredible team. Mel Perrine, obviously... Uh, Tori and Mel alongside their coach had a big influence in me coming over and and joining the winter team so to have Mel there and it to be her last games and to be able to experience her last games while I'm going into my first was really special so you know to be guided by her this whole time and then to actually make the team with her was incredible. Where do you do you then convert now back to the summer sport and go, you know what, I'm going to have a crack at the Summer Olympics and then we go again, we change over again two years later? Oh, my goodness. I've been asked this question so much and I only just got home. Like, I think this is my fourth day back in Australia after yep. four months. I don't think I've seen summer since uh, – I don't even remember the last time I saw summer. So, I don't know. I think it's, it's a bit hard because, um, you know, the big reason why I did finally commit to the to – the commit to um, – Commit to the commit. Commit to the trends. <laughs> to going to alpine skiing was because uh, javelin was taken out of Tokyo. So, you know, if javelin goes back in for Paris, maybe. Um, what, but why in the world would they take javelin out of Tokyo? It's uh, yeah, it, we're a bit different to the Olympics. We have so many more events, uh, so many more classifications. So we don't just compete against every athlete with a disability we're categorized into Mm. our specific disability so for me I'm competing against uh girls with quite severe left side oh sorry one-sided um cerebral palsy or you know weakness so there's going to be a lot of girls to make up a field to be able to to run it so they pull it out if they don't have enough girls could they could they not just do you know like I understand but you could run the same competition but with three four different categories as such like if there's you know three or four girls in each category yeah. you could still run a competition right knowing that you're competing against such and such, such, such whatever it may be yeah well they do do that so the yep. reason my discus is still there is because i'm actually competing against girls that have less cp than me yep uh so that's still there it wasn't my main event um and then with alpine skiing we actually all compete together so you know i'm competing against girls leg amps um arm amps and then we get a factored time so Mine being one-sided is about 
80 I'm going to mess this up, about 82%, but a girl with uh, an arm amp would be around 100% time. Uh, so, like, the clock would run at 82% Yeah, gotcha. Me, okay. Um, in slalom. Yeah, yeah, okay. Hey, uh, we're off to the news. Can you stay for another break this morning? I'd love to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> fa- fantastic. Hey, mate, hey. look at the... She's not going anywhere. Look at that weather outside. Yeah. Uh, by the way, uh, my mum's tuning in from the Gold Coast, so lots of love to mum in uh, Palm Beach at the moment. And, Buttes, we mentioned about Mason Cox earlier... Now, just to clarify, he's not just out there wearing the Ray-Bans. There is a medical issue. So Mason Cox, he wore the glasses because uh, he's had eye operations and was yep. given, given an exemption to wear them. So it's a, it's a duty of care. It's safety. Of course. So, but it does look hilarious. Mate, you know what? It's funny, you, you know, he's got to wear those things because he can't see properly. You know, it's one of the first things that coaches look at when – they got players, wingers, fullbacks, whatever else who keep dropping balls. Yeah. Actually, mate, go get your eyes tested. Because it may actually be one of those things where it's not about their inability to catch or whatever it is. They just lose sight of where the ball is. Right? And it's an eyesight thing as opposed to, you know, people just go, oh, he's fumbly or he's, you know, whatever, clumsy, whatever it may be. But he may not actually see the ball until the last couple of seconds or yeah. last couple of metres before it gets to him. Yeah, good point, Butes. Uh, mm. We're off to the news. Back in a moment with Paralympian Ray Anderson. Saturdays on the coast. On SEN. Robson Civil. With over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience, visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au. BJ Howes Metal Land. The coast's tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast. Yeah, good morning. Live from Shelley Beach. Uh, speaking of Robson Civil Projects, Michael, not sure if you saw this during the week, but the managing director, Grant Robson, is doing the... Walk in My Shoes, mm. a fundraising initiative of Ronald McDonald House. And there's a, there's a great story. I was hoping Grant might be able to join us on the air this morning, but hopefully next week. And it says when his son Blake was born prematurely at 27 weeks. Wow. 27 weeks. They spent many weeks at Royal North Shore Hospital in intensive care. It was an uncertain time. And he talks about having to stay at Rotary House, uh, separated from their son and how difficult that period was. Mm. Um, talks about it being an isolating time. Um, fast forward to 2022, where thankfully we now have Ronald McDonald House, which provides a home away from home. And we know how good they are, Ronald yeah, McDonald House. Organization. So, so if you can rally around Grant Robson, hopefully we'll hear the entire story on the air next week. But uh, doing the walk, walk in my shoes, fundraising initiative for Ronald McDonald House. So congratulations to uh, Grant Robson. And uh, what an organisation they are, Robson Civil Projects. Locally owned business, born and bred. Fantastic. Yeah, third generation. Third generation, bigger and better. Hey, you've got the next question for the great Ray Anderson. I do. Paralympian, dual Paralympian in both summer and winter. So, Ray, you know, you're going through this process and you're thinking about, you know, converting over and doing the alpine skiing. When was it where you just went, you know what, I'm going to give it a crack. Here I go. Ray can't keep a straight face watching how animated you are. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, ask, asking the question. <laughs> Looks like you're ready to ski down the hill. I'm ready to go. Ready to go. <laughs> but when do, you get, when do you go, you know what, I'm ready to take this on? And, you know, did you honestly believe that you were a chance of, you know, making the Olympic squad? Yeah, it's, it's only been a whirlwind. Um, you know, I gave it a go back in 2017 and then felt like I just didn't have you know, the financial means to, to pursue it once my scholarship ran out. Mm-hmm. So I did have a year off. And then I think 
with para sports, it's all about chance meetings, like who you meet along the way, who opens up all these doors. So um, I met my coach back in 2019 um, and he offered me the world scholarship, a place to live, a job. Um, so that's when I really thought that I could commit to this sport. Uh, and then uh, Australia took me on, the, the Australian uh, national team. And we went overseas and didn't know how I was going to rank, didn't know how I was going to make if I was going to make the team. Um, and it wasn't until I went and won some Norams over in America uh, that I got my 50 points and mm. got to the games. Hey, Ray, how do the sports complement each other? Because obviously discus and javelin, you've got a mix of speed and power. Mm. Uh, how does that convert to, you know, slalom skiing? Uh, you know, I, I mean, all sport really converts to one another in that, you know, you're an elite athlete. And I think that's why they wanted me to do the transition from uh, summer sports was because I had been an elite athlete since I was 13. So it was that I, I knew how to train. Um, but the training has been so different. Um, a lot more cardio than I've ever done in my life. Mm. Um, and so much more power stuff. So a lot more weights. Um, and you're on snow 24-7. So. I've, I've got to say, look, I don't know how you do it. Right, because I can't ski, and I'm pretty abled. <laughs> Although you would think that I may have a disability of some sort when you see me on the slopes, because I am hopeless, seriously. And I can only imagine how hard it is. Yeah, and the speed too. Oh, you know, um, like what do you hurdle down the yeah, mountain? Yeah, that is phenomenal. Oh, I keep meaning to wear my garments. I know. Oh, <laughs> I don't know exactly, but I know you know at least seventy. Hey, 70Ks an hour. Yeah. Going down. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> At least. It, 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 you know my biggest problem when I ski? I just can't stop. I just can't stop the frame. Yeah. You know the old pizza? Is that what they call it? The pizza where you put your skis That was my together. biggest fear at the end of the race. I was like, don't crash. Don't crash. Into, that's what I'd be doing. Just smile. Or just slide on your side and that's how you stop. <laughs> in, a, um, in a perfect world, do you travel the, like the world to a circuit like with Mac Graham and those kind of athletes in the mogul skiing? Yeah, of course. Um, I mean, we're different sports, so we're in different countries at different times, but there's certainly a World Cup for us as well. I was meant to be on the World Cup circuit uh, this year, but uh, before my Europa Cup race to get my points to get to the World Cup, I had my first ever concussion at training. Um, so that put me out of the Europa Cups, which meant ultimately I couldn't get the points to get to World Cups. So, so that's why. Is there a protocol in relation to concussion and you've got to have a certain amount of time off, etc.? Yes. I didn't even realise I had a concussion at the time. Um, I just kept skiing and then my physio worked it out. So, um, yes, I had to have a week off after that, which meant I wasn't allowed to, to race that week. So what happened? What was the incident? You weren't knocked out or you weren't? No, no. Blacked so out or anything like that? Um, I was just training GS and... There was heaps of ruts. I've skied out of the rut, just went to pull up, um, caught some powder. My skis went up, my head went down. Ouch, that hurt. Got back up, kept skiing. was a bit dizzy, but that was about it. <laughs> didn't, I never had one before, so I didn't know what yeah, it felt like. Play on. That's okay. <laughs> yeah, play on. Play on, exactly. Yeah, yeah. The, the uh, next Winter Games are uh, being held in Italy, so that's obviously uh, incredibly exciting. Uh, after finishing seventh, do you feel like you can step up onto the podium as a, as a young athlete? Yeah, I mean, it's certainly been a whirlwind. Like, I had no idea that I could I could place top ten, let alone seventh. Mm. Um, you know, being the seventh dual summer and winter athlete from Australia. Um, yeah, I mean, I coming home, I was like, I'm going to reevaluate, see if I I have the financial means and and whether or not I can do another four winters in a row. Um, but I'm already missing it. I saw a few American athletes straight back on the slopes um, mm. when they got home, and I was like, oh. I wouldn't be there. <laughs> so I think I might have to. How does it make you feel? 
And you said it just then, the, only the seventh Australian athlete to be both you know, winter and summer Olympian or Paralympian. That's a massive achievement and something you should be extremely proud of. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, yeah, it, yeah, that's awesome. That's yeah. a standing O, Steve. <laughs> that's a standing O, yeah. Yes. There it is. It is. And you should be really proud of yourself. And I know it's you've been humble here at the moment, but you know what? To put that in perspective, you know, when you think about all the Winter Olympians that have ever competed, yeah. you're the seventh one. Like, it's that's no mean feat. It's phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, it's taken a while to, to definitely sink in mm. and... I'm only the second female behind Jess Gallagher too, so that's that's pretty insane as well. Yeah, and you know in a couple of weeks' time, uh, Danica Clark Foundation will hand out its scholarships for 2022. DCF will reach 100 scholarships. Now, you're part of, I guess, a golden generation of yeah. Danica Clark Foundation. There, were, there was a photo that was posted the other day that had numerous Paralympians, a Commonwealth Games medalist, a couple of Olympians, a... Olympic silver medalist. Yeah, so uh, you're, you're part of that group that came through and uh, we're hoping you might be a special guest on the night. But, uh, you know, so there was a foundation that backed you locally and you must be eternally grateful for their support. Uh, the Danica Clark Foundation, I think, for a lot of us athletes, means so much. And it's so great to come home to them and, you know, be a part of this, t- this community. To be reaching 100? I didn't realise that was going around so quick. That's amazing. Yeah, and over $300,000 in scholarships. Hey, um, can you believe we're getting the wind-up from our producer? In fact, forcefully. (laughs) I mean, that's twice now. He is demanding. Take a break. Take a break. I don't want to use the word bully. In fact, uh, we we should just bring him in quickly. Uh, Adam, how are you, mate? Great to have you on the air. And uh, you must be slightly disappointed with the Rabbitohs 0-2 to start the season. Yeah, I, I certainly am, Steve. Uh, good morning to you guys. Great show uh, as usual. But yeah, look, uh, it's it's one of those seasons. I think it's going to be for the South Sydney Rabbitohs uh, after losing Adam Reynolds. Uh, so I guess we'll we'll see what happens. But I'm not expecting uh, huge things for the Bunnies. They might just scrape into the eight. Yeah, wow. You heard it first with Adam Staples back, back at HQ. Hey, we're off to a break. Uh, another round of applause for Ray Anderson. Yeah, well done, Ray. Fabulous. Winter and also summer Paralympian. Uh, off to a break. We're back soon. This is Saturdays on the Coast on SEN. Robson Civil. With over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience, visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au. BJ Howes Metal Land. The Coast's tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast. Yeah, live at Shelley Beach Golf Course, uh, Ray Anderson still here with us and uh, just telling her at the moment that uh, the SEN app is where you get the catch-up podcast for our show. Uh, you can also see what's happening around the SEN Sports Entertainment Network. Mm-hmm. So just so many great shows that you can download and listen to and feature interviews uh, and, of course, lots of commentary. And I was listening to uh, Scotty Sattler and Joel Kane, so Sugar and Sats. Sugar and Sats. What a combination they are. And another great call last night. They were calling the uh, St. George Illawarra versus Penrith Panthers match. Yeah, you know what? We haven't talked about that game, but 2016 uh, to the Panthers. And there was a sin binning of uh, Sewer. Jaden uh, Sewer. Jaden Sewer in the first half, which was pretty significant. And I think it was probably, for me, it looked like it was a tough call. Uh, against the Dragons and Jaden Sewer uh, in the fact that it was a late hit on O'Sullivan, which didn't appear to me to be overly late. It was yeah, well, definitely forceful. Uh, the, the way they called it was that he really let his team down. 
Yeah, well, again, I looked at it and I'd go, I don't think it was that late. Like, we're talking a split-second decision here, and, and there wasn't much in it. Like, you know, you can hit somebody. There's no rule in the book that says you can't hit anybody hard, right? But the ball's gone a little bit late, well, a little bit early, and he's... Yeah, I thought it was a tough call. Good fight back, though, by St. George. It certainly was, but they considered 14 points during that period. And That's I, significant. I was super impressed by their forward pack, and I think, you know, Anthony Griffin, uh, he spoke a lot about the players that he's brought in and their character yep. and what they'll add to the Dragons. Hey, good news at the Central Coast Pro Junior. Molly Picklam through to the semifinals. That's coming up in a few moments' time. On the boys' side of the draw, Joel Vaughan and also Lennox Chell, both through to the semi-finals. Hey, let's go live to Joe Coit. We've got a couple of minutes here. Then we'll take a break and we'll come back and talk to him. But Joe, congratulations, mate. New chairman of Central Coast Rugby League. Yeah, thanks, Steve. Yeah, no, um, very excited. So it's it's Rugby League Central Coast um, has been bought. So it, it, born, it's actually a, a deed of agreement's been signed by the juniors and seniors on the Central Coast, and basically we're a board that's now been tasked with um, overseeing that deed of agreement and just trying to get everyone working well together, continue all the good stuff we're doing, and I suppose try and show some innovation as well to, to get everyone on the same page for the good of the game. Have we had some fractures in the past, Joe, that um, has caused some, uh, or I guess caused the game not to progress the way it should have? Mate, so I suppose being the new kid on the block, I'm just coming in really open-minded. I'm just a guy who loves his rugby league, and I'm also really passionate about governance. And mm-hmm. I think, um, you know, that, that, that skill set, I think a love of the game, a love of the coast, a good understanding of governance through, through my professional career, just keen to, I suppose, work out who the key stakeholders are and get everyone working together. I think, um, to me, you know, my bosses are the Central Coast seniors and the juniors. Um, so I'm sitting there with a couple of other independents to just try and support them um, for the betterment of the game on the coast. Hey, Joe, uh, in my role with the media, uh, I've got to say there are some sports that are super proactive, that surfing's a good example. This week uh, at NBN News, we received kind of video, we received audio, so there were updates every single day on how Central Coast surfers were performing, and not just Central Coast, but other surfers as well. Mm. My question to you is, I think for too many years, there's so many great stories in Central Coast Rugby League, but no one ever hears about them on any media platform. Yeah, no, look, if that's the case, I definitely think it'll change if I stay around, Steve. You know me better than that. Um, my my own experience in sports administration was a couple of years on the board of Doyle, Dawson Touch Football, where we absolutely had a ball. Um, can't take all the credit for it. The Glacken and the Langbridge families, amazing people. But, you know, we, we got out and about not only very successful on the field, very successful off the field, including um, raising sponsorships, getting record numbers of people playing the game and also getting exposure, especially in the local um, media. So, yeah, it's definitely something that I'll be having a good look at once I settle into the role. Hey, uh, we're about to go to a break here, and we'd like you to stay for a couple more minutes, but um, are you like William Wallace in Braveheart? Do you need to unite the clans? <laughs> Mate, I think there's plenty of good stuff going on, and um, I suppose for me at the moment, I'm not the chair that comes in and knows all the answers. I think I'm the guy who needs to get informed, and then I'll definitely um, try and work out a path forward for everybody. Yeah, beautiful stuff. Stay with us, Joe. We're back in just a few moments. It's Saturdays on the Coast on SEN.
Robson Civil. With over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience, visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au. BJ Howes Metal Land, the coast's tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast. Yeah, welcome back at Shelley Beach Golf Course. Around about two minutes remaining on the show, we've got Joe Coit, the new chair of Rugby League Central Coast, on the line. One more question for Joe, and Butes, you've got it. Yeah, Joe, just, uh, I guess, mate, coming into a new role uh, as chairman, what's your number one priority, mate? So, mate, two priorities, I think, for me. The number one is about retention and recruitment and retaining referees, so... You know, I think everyone's talking about the game needs to grow and junior numbers aren't as good as they used to be. The junior numbers aren't that bad, but to tell you what, we'd actually struggle to accommodate juniors if we got a big retention retention at the moment because of the lack of referees. And then I think yeah. one of the other priorities is green space on the Central Coast. So just working with other stakeholders to make sure there's facilities for kids to play the game. So I think, you know, referees supporting them properly, retaining them and then having space for, for kids to be able to, and adults to be able to play the the lovely game of rugby league. Yeah, what a legend, Joe Coit. Thanks for your time, mate. Hopefully you'll be a regular contributor to this show and uh, make yourself available for Saturdays on the Coast. Well done, mate. Congratulations. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Bye. Joe Coit. Uh, I love him. I've had a long association with him through the Glen. Through the Glen, yeah. 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 Uh, you know, it's a fair point he makes about, you know, referees and, and green space because Oztag are in a similar situation here on the Central Coast. You know, when you think about we've got you know, 850 teams that play here in the summer months. And you need actually, four, that's 400 games a week yeah. that you've got to find referees for. What are you up to this weekend? Uh, I'm heading down to Sydney. I've got my son playing down soccer tomorrow morning down at uh, Bonnie Rig. Uh, they've had two wins thus far. They're going pretty well. He's yeah. playing some good football I'll, I'll soccer be, too. I'll be watching the live stream. Corey's down in Tassie. Let's yes. go back to the studio. Adam, if you can, throw your mic on. Uh, what are you up to this weekend, my friend? Yeah, Steve, just got some plans with the family tonight. So looking forward to the family time. Uh, I'm off to the Bulldogs tomorrow up against the Broncos. Thanks again to Lockie. Did a for, great job, for Lockie. getting well us done, on buddy. the air. Well done. Thanks to Shelley Beach Golf Course as well. Cameron Smith, my highlight of the week with his win in the Players' Championship. We'll catch you next Saturday.